All right. Welcome back to another episode here at the Culture and Sports Podcast. Um, I'm Wesley Livingston. I'm Mike Scaramella. And we're your hosts here today. Um, man, our guest today, um, he's a Boston native. Uh, he's completed his graduate work at Columbia University. He's an author and editor of over 35 books and more than 800 papers um, in journals of medicine, science, uh, philosophy, bioethics, health policy. Um, and he's one of the premier medical ethicists uh, working today and a regular contributor on CNN and Good Morning America. Welcome, Art Kaplan. Art, welcome so much. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Art, so, I mean, we were lucky enough to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, how you got into sports, and it was a little bit different than some of our other guests, uh, rather than coming in an athletic uh, kind of a way. Um, so I was hoping you can go into that and kind of just tell some of the viewers, you know, how you got into it and, 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 and why you started in the first place. So people may be saying, well, what if somebody works in medicine so much doing in the sports area? But I've actually been involved with sports and ethical issues for a long, long time, a couple of decades. When I was a little kid, I was one of the last people in America who had polio. So I had to spend a lot of time, happily it went away, nobody really knows uh, why, although I will tell you it made me a big proponent of vaccination. I'm not one of Kyrie Irving's biggest fans. But uh, uh, after that, I had to go to rehab and PT for a long time, learn to walk again, that sort of thing. And so that got me interested a little bit in sports. I played sports in uh, high school and in college just for some exercise and stuff. I will say I stunk. Uh, I was uh, playing, playing uh, like uh, guard in football and crease defenseman in lacrosse. I consider these uh, roles in sports where you don't have to have any athletic skill. You just have to stand there and get beat on long enough so that the coach doesn't be able to sort of a dope dope's position sorry guys hey but even even to play at that level though i mean at least uh you know you got to have some kind of skill so don't yeah. so don't, don't, don't tear yourself down on that my friend you're doing well <laughs> especially so, from coming from you know not being able to, to move the walk yeah cool. that's yeah. that's incredible and, and actually this is funny i uh my senior year at uh, brandeis where i played division three they I, I made the all new england third team lacrosse team and so I went to play with what was the All New England team over the summer, and really that's when I found out what the gap was between me and somebody who was really good. And it was like, whoa, we are not even notice that talent gap. Real yeah, quick, just huh? from, from what I was doing to what a first year, you know, Johns Hopkins or Syracuse or Hofstra or one of those schools was doing. I was like, whoa. Anyway, <laughs> but it got me interested in sports and some of the ethics issues. Uh, around that, you'll laugh at this. I played semi-pro football for one year in Yonkers, New York. Nice. Which, which had no ethics at all. <laughs> Zero. It was just uh, find the players you could find and get them out there. Yeah, so, so what type, what type of thing, what type of things did you see out there that was different? Like, I mean, just like people getting hurt. Like, hey, sorry, you know, you're playing anyway. Kind of things like that. Ethical, ethical reasons yeah, like that. I or? mean, you know, you had one referee, right? I mean, that's what they could afford. <laughs> So there was holding, there was chop blocking, there was throwing dirt in your face if they could yeah. drag it out, uh, spitting on you, every racial, ethnic slur ever Creative. imagined <laughs> was thrown around. Uh, and you were on the line, so you, all you had to do is make sure they weren't watching you before you cut somebody down. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one guy was usually downfield, 
watching the receivers, right? I mean, <laughs> you're sort of looking for interference and stuff like that. Leaving the guys so, in the trenches just to fend for themselves. <laughs> you weren't paying any attention. Unless your arm was hanging off, you probably weren't going to get a, any kind of flag thrown in the uh, line play. But anyway, that was, that was illuminating. I can say from that league, nobody went on to play any serious professional football. It, there's a lot of those leagues around the country, and this was a beer league like one of those. Um, anyway, because all of that is just by way of saying it got me interested in sports from my PT days, watching what physical therapists did, trainers did to these sports activities. So as I began to get interested in ethics in medicine, things like, you know, death and dying, can doctors help somebody die, rationing ventilators, uh, big serious, who gets a transplant, big serious questions, mm -hmm. I always retained an interest on in the sports side. Long ago, I got asked by the Olympic Committee to serve on a committee about uh, biological drugging and genetic engineering, meaning what was acceptable and what wasn't in order to enhance your performance. And we all know that we've got a lot of rules now about, you know, doping. And yeah. reviewed all that then. That was all the blood doping that was getting into things like cycling, if you remember back then, mm -hmm. Lance Armstrong. And, is, and is this covering like the your your bioethics uh, you know, section of your of your career? Is this just more like what bioethics is, like the definition of bioethics? Yeah, basically yeah. applying health knowledge, doctor knowledge in ethics to an area. So this area became sports. People liked what I did on that, so I got invited to something else, which was even crazier, FIFA. Oh, the, nice. The uh, world soccer guys. So they run the headquarters out of Zurich. There's nobody starving to death there. I visited there for a lot of meetings, and uh, everybody was pretty well fed, and everybody was having a fine old time traveling around first class. But anyway. I saw that movie, I believe, in Zurich. You love the issue here. The issue we got was, can you play – at high altitude, soccer or football, are you allowed to sleep in those oxygen beds? You know, the kind oh, of thing. I remember, uh, who was it? I think uh, Terrell Owens or somebody. Yeah, he bought one. He has one in his house, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, poor countries in South America or Central America can't afford those things for their yeah. team. Rich countries, Brazil, Argentina, absolutely can afford them. So here's what the poor countries do. You'll love this. When they play in South American or Central American tournaments, the poor countries, if they can do it, they locate their stadiums as high altitude as they can, huh. like three like three times Denver. So if you're playing in uh, Colombia, if you're playing in uh, Bolivia, the stadium is like nine miles high. So, so they try to take advantage of that and get, you know, the Brazilians or the Argentinians exhausted. I will tell you the Brazilians yeah. and the Argentinians hate losing to the Bolivians. They're like little uh, Native American type people. It's all racist again. They're like, these guys can't beat us. They're half our size and they're like Indians. And Anyway, so they asked us about the ruling and we came up with a ruling that said you could train with these beds, there wasn't anything illegal about it. Since they had the advantage of altitude, you could try to make up for it. But it raises up the question, what is acceptable again is an enhancement. You know, I think you guys know where the next World Cup's coming to Qatar. Yeah. 
the temperature will be about 158 degrees. Oh, um, can and, you like send you, an air conditioned trailer? Yeah, what? Uh, how do you emulate that? So what did they decide then, to do then? I mean, I feel like you know that's that's almost just dangerous. <laughs> right, right. So that's part of the reason again you get into the healthcare side. You're like, well, it's great. So we decided you have to play at the time of the year when it's the coolest. They shifted it back to their fall. So you're going to have all night games. Still, it'll probably be about yeah. 90 degrees, but at least now it's like Arizona or San Diego or somebody. Is it like humid out there too, or is it just like a dry heat? Really humid. I've been there. Oh God, really, really that's humid. terrible. And are they doing so, this on a case-to-case basis? Um, so each country that they come up and they go over kind of the as this aspects of what that country offers. Is it hot over there? Is it cold exactly, over there? What time of exactly. year is it? So here's the ethical principle that the local guys say. They say we play if we have geographic advantages, heat, humidity, altitude, whatever. That's lucky for us. You play the game where we live. Right. And the critics all say, that's crazy. You can't make us play in the middle of a humid jungle. Well, with insects well everyone over there is used to it and everyone well, else has to acclimate. Yeah. Well, everybody likes playing here in San Diego for everything. <laughs> I don't mind that. <laughs> well, you know, I had an idea by the time I got done with these Olympic committees and the FIFA committees for the Olympics for sure. Pick two sites in the world and just do the Olympics there every year. Yeah. You get out all these controversies, you're not getting into human rights fights, which we're going to see with China yeah. as the Winter Olympics is coming. Um, but it's the money. Can, it's the money that I think that's what keeps everyone interested and involved because it yeah. spreads so much money in the communities in certain places. And but you know, what, they got terrorism, they got climate, yeah. they got uh, transportation to weird places that's hard there's no infrastructure. You can't move the reporters and everybody, athletes, teams around. When we were looking, when I looked at, I'll get off this Olympics thing, but it's sort of the background now how I got into all this. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was thinking about the Olympics, we went to a place called Lausanne, Switzerland, for these meetings with the Olympic group. It is nuts. Here's what they're trying to do every four years. Build an entire city. Yeah deal with every media organization on earth, deal with every corporate sponsor on the planet, deal with every athletic association from badminton to <laughs> synchronized swimming to, you, can, you know, every one of these outfits has an organization, plus they all have national organizations. It's unbelievable. You know, like the Kuwaiti badminton team is writing and saying, we think the other guys are using whatever they call those things, birdies. They're not the right size. Go oh. fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I didn't have anything to do with it, but I watched it, and it was like. So did you get things did... like that all the time? Was it always something? Um, no matter what yeah. it was, every, I guess everybody's always looking for an edge. You know. Yeah. Er, er, so. Yeah. So you know, you see special skates come on in the Winter Olympics. You got people trying to use uh, special running shoes that came up in the last Olympics. I saw you that. Yeah. Track Remember, track materials differ, so they're trying to get an edge by getting a better it, go, it, it never stops. So when we talk about cheating, it's mainly, what I've learned, cheating about engineering the people. People are much more accepting about engineering the equipment and the environment. I mean, nobody's doing bamboo poles in the pole vault anymore. <laughs> they're all composite things that let them jump twice as high. Yeah. They didn't get twice as strong. It's just they yeah. introduced new stuff. 
so I'm sorry to rant on about that. Oh, no, are these are these some of the things that, as your special advisory, um, you're part of the special advisory committee for the International Olympics and yeah. uh, genetics uh, gene yeah. therapy? Is that kind of the yeah. thing that you were discussing and talking about yeah. while in those meetings? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested in the yeah. gene therapy type of thing. So the gene therapy, I mean, I know that uh, China's been kind of in, into that a lot. I haven't heard much about it. Um, but I mean, I feel like, you know, it's just like taking like a PED or something like that. If you're, you know, it's just being getting enhanced. So it's like, yeah. you know, what are your feelings on it? Well, genetic engineering, what you're trying to do is tweak cells that are involved, let's say, with muscle growth. And you're trying to get them to grow more so you have more muscle mass. You don't have to work out. You literally just grow more muscle cells. Well, that'd be nice. Now, now if you work <laughs> them out and you grow more then you're really in good shape. If you're lifting weights, you'd have an obvious advantage in weightlifting sports or anything that was a strength, straight up yeah. wrestling, maybe straight strength sport. So anyway, the difference between the PEDs, taking a drug or blood doping is you can measure for that and see that it's been done. Genetic mm -hmm. engineering, it's yourself. That's right. You just grow more of them and you can't say that this guy cheated. It's really hard to detect. Yeah. So I think it means that's, I do think we're going to see it. It's it's you can't even police it because it's like I say, all right, Wes, we're going to give you an injection. It's going to grow more muscle cells in your legs. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes, and yes. Sure. Let me see my legs. Not, yes, yes, and yes. They're <laughs> not foreign cells. I didn't transplant them somebody else. They're yours. I'm just going to grow them faster for the next year. Yeah. You work out more, you'll be that much stronger. But no one's going to be able to say it's not your cells. So do you no. think a lot of this is going on right now without us knowing? No. The techniques to perfect it are being done now in animals. Gotcha. Okay. Probably about one or two Olympics away. All right. That's going to be an interesting, interesting topic when it comes up. Because, I mean, who knows? It will. And you, it you've will. Been, you, you're part of numerous councils and committees. Um, aren't you part of a, a cloning type, a, a committee that speaks on cloning as well? I am. I believe. So I chaired the committee for the United Nations, which was a hoot and a half, on cloning. Uh, I, one day I was sitting in the chair running the United Nations, which my wife found very funny since she doesn't think I can run a discussion at the dinner table, but okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, and, and you're looking out there and you're getting questions about cloning, say, from Tonga or... Uh, some small island like Turks and Caicos. And you're, I'm thinking, what the heck do they care about this? Well, what they were doing was they were saying, if you could do human cloning, make babies or uh, clone people, well, maybe we'd open up a clinic and you could come to our island and we'd make money. So well, that's what well, they were yeah, there's always a motive. There's not going to be monetary <laughs> motive, too. Exactly. Always a motive. Uh, so it turns out human cloning, too dangerous, not here yet. We basically said forbidden for now we'll revisit it you still remember dolly the sheep yeah oh yeah was cloned? it was like probably 20 years ago that was like now. the first successful one i remember not hearing about it until like five or ten years after that and like they really cloned something for real <laughs> yeah. but what you forget is when dolly was born she died early she had all kinds of birth defects because of the cloning mm. and they made about six or seven other sheep all of which were stillborn was it like organs that weren't being able to like to fully grow? Yeah. It's hard, weak liver. Mm. So it's way too dangerous to even try it. And people, I'm not saying some nuts, 
wouldn't try it, but the odds of success are, you're looking at next to nothing. So we'll see if cloning turns out to be doable. But yeah. for all the excitement and appearance in movies, you know, cloning whoever, dictators, monsters, yeah. whatever. Will Smith. What was, that, what was that one movie where they were actually cloning people just for their organs, and then they would, um, you know, they wouldn't tell them that they had another, you know, person of yeah. themselves. But, you know, that I mean, that kind of stuff, that's interesting. It's just like, hmm. That was the uh, Japanese uh, novelist book I'm trying to remember. Please, never let me go. <laughs> okay. Never okay, let me yeah. go. Yeah. That was crazy. And, uh, that was incredible. But again... It doesn't work well enough to get too many detectives. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to get a liver from some, somebody that's going to fail in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't lie awake about that one. We got that off the table. It doesn't work well enough. Uh, some other things more recently, Wes, I've served on U.S. Conference of Mayors COVID and Sports Committee yes. the past 18 months. Still on it. That's okay. been interesting. And I've been on a uh, committee that... Uh, uh, took a look for Major League Baseball at COVID practices, too. Uh, that was a little more behind the scenes. We weren't really doing that much transparent. The mayor's thing, we issued reports and told people stuff. But I'll give you a couple of interesting things from the mayor's thing first. So one big issue was, with COVID, were you going to open playgrounds for kids at school? Because hmm. that's recreation. It's not sports, like right. pro sport, but it's, you know, physical fitness. And a lot of the schools were afraid to open up the playground. I thought if you had social distancing, you weren't on top of one another, you should do it. Give them a break, get them outside, let them get some physical activity. But most schools did not do it during the height of COVID. And I think it took a big toll on kids. They weren't out. They got no breaks. The ones who went in, uh, obviously, were stuck in their classrooms. The ones who were remote did nothing. And so that was a, I thought that ended, unfortunately, that we didn't pay enough attention to sports. I mean, at the low level of sports for kids, you sort of, we have enough problems with obesity in kids anyway, much less sticking them indoors with no recess. And camaraderie. I mean, I mean, just getting out there. I remember like the the biggest way I made friends back in the day is I'd go outside, play football with my friends or, you know, basketball or whatever it was. Uh, I mean, you take that away. I mean, that could be, I could be terrible. And I think you know, even even just having kids stuck inside, I mean, they should be out, probably outside in the fresh air anyway, you know. And even for the community. take a walk. I mean, do anything. Yeah, something. <laughs> and even for the community, it, it takes away funds, you know, from youth sports, you know, so they're not having these registration fees aren't coming in. Um, so right. these smaller towns are even suffering. Sports teams are shutting down. Like, <clears> some <throat> of the smaller sports teams are like, you know, it's like some people, you know, they don't want to be it. Outside yeah. at all, so you know, like you said, the funding's going away. When the funding goes away for those sports, parents aren't spending money in restaurants yeah. and hotels, you know, in the cities yeah. when they're traveling. traveling and... And all that. Yeah. So, like the other thing that happened, or there are many things that happened, but one other thing that was kind of interesting. You think mayors of towns? Well, think about Irvington, Texas, or Orlando, Florida, they or Indianapolis. Those are places that their industry is sports. Yeah. Indianapolis runs the race. They got the NCAA headquarters. They got uh, Irvington as the Cowboys and uh, the Rangers and whoever else is hanging around there. (laughs) These are places that are big, highly committed to sports. Orlando, remember, had the basketball guys. So we had to come up. All those rules were the ones that we issued for trying to let the tournament proceed for the uh, Final Four in basketball, for example. We said, 
got to quarantine. Anybody who's positive goes home. We're going to try and find a place for people to stay, you know, within, say, 75 miles of Indianapolis because they didn't really have the hotels to the handle any basketball teams. Yeah. Normally, when you go to the tournament, you stay even if you lose. Right. We kicked them all out, said you had to go back, can't hang around, too dangerous. And, you know, we had all these poor basketball guys locked up in their rooms. They get food delivered. They'd only come out to practice. Now, we pulled it off, but it was it was tough. Uh, I can say there they were pretty compliant and did a good job. The NBA, you remember, had a few guys sneaking out for chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for the final four for college, I can't I can't remember for some reason. Was it was it full capacity in in the stands or were they? No, there was nobody. Yeah, there was nobody, right? I remember it just lis- listening to the basketball bounce without anybody in the stands is a weird yeah. thing. And that's for the players too, like being out there. In the so here's these are little just inside safety things that that I think the audience would be interested in. So for basketball, the squads aren't that big, right? right? you got maybe 14 guys, I don't know, whatever it is. It's not a big number. A couple of coaches, trainer, a few other odds and ends. You can sit them on the bench and then spread them out. If you remember what it looked like in basketball, both pro and college, they were way up into the bleachers. Yeah. yeah. The sport that turned out to be really tough for COVID was hockey. They're sitting on the bench. They do the line changes frequently. Yeah. So they can't be spread out. they got to be next to each other. So the coach turns around and says, you go in, third line, whatever. You know, and they jump up and they go in, then they come back. They're breathing heavy. They're breathing all over each other. That was a much more risky sport than basketball. Even with their, their mask? Like, couldn't they come up with Even a with uh-huh. those plastic guards? Yeah. Because you're just blowing the air out through the yeah, body. Yeah, they, yeah, it doesn't really stop That's true. too much. So, unfortunately, just speeding on the ice and people just going. But yeah. <laughs> well, and not only that, but uh, I feel like hockey, um, hockey stadium or hockey rinks. Uh, when you go in there, everything is so much tighter. Like I feel like yeah. you know they they compact you. You're, you're sitting there like they're this, they're like in the hockey right. rink. Like, well, they're often old. They're often older buildings when you're playing in college or high school. They're not. Them been updated in forever. Yeah, basketball is a bigger sport. It tends to have nicer, more ventilation, mm-hmm. better. You know, there's there's just better layout. More money flowing into there. They could do a little bit more with their and stadium. And I hate to say this, but hockey culture is a little bit like, oh well, you know, you got your head smashed, keep skating. Yeah, I mean, tough. They're just tough guys. You know, <laughs> one of the last sports will let you literally fight for a couple of minutes, <laughs> a couple of seconds before yeah, they break exactly. you up. Right? You can stumble around with your uh, <laughs> yeah. concussion. Then you go back in. It's not. And it's funny because they just agree to fight there. They just throw, throw off the gloves. We'll get this over with real quick, and then we'll get back onto the game. <laughs> and it's like they have like an unspoken word. Like they wait until someone falls down, then they jump in. It's yeah. Like. Okay, this. Oh. By the way, ethically, if I had. Yeah. Let's talk about First guy to throw his gloves, automatic ejection. What is this fight? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> what was that stupid movie with? Uh, Hampton Brothers, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's like, what is this, Goon Games or something? Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, it was called, I think it was called Goon, right? Was that the, was that the one? Or that was, a, that was definitely an Enforcer hockey movie. I can't remember what exactly. that was, but. Oh, man, that's funny. Um, so, another, oh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about definitely was uh, ethically, people getting surgeries when they don't necessarily need them. So, um, I had Tommy John surgery as a, as a pitcher, and I definitely needed it. I, uh, I felt my arm go. Uh, but I, I heard some stories of younger kids, like, just getting the surgery just to get their arm stronger, which I know it does 
work if you do the proper therapy and that kind of stuff. But have you seen that at all? Yes. Not often, but yes. It's really unethical to do it. No doctor should be doing an operation that you don't need, quote unquote. Right. And it's a serious operation. It can go wrong as well as go right. I've seen them both ways. The general reason it's better that your arm might have improved is it tightens everything up. Right. You get more force when you pitch. But if the surgery isn't done well or there's more damage, it can weaken everything. Exactly. And then not only can't you pitch, you can't even lift up your coffee cup. You know, it's like it's bad. Yeah. So doing that to a 15, 16-year-old kid, you come back to another issue. Should they be throwing curveballs, things that strain their arms in high school or Little League? And I would say no. You're really getting damage there that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm expediting that that process of Tommy John surgery. Probably yeah, Little League was, those. was rough for elbows. I remember I never I didn't pitch until I was in college. So I didn't have arm yeah, problems well, I, I until I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's another thing, too. It's like whose responsibility is that? Is that the parent's responsibility? Because, you know, his dad was, was growing up, it was a coach. You know, he played he played baseball. So he had a better understanding of what, you know, should and shouldn't be done for his, his kid as far as being a pitcher. Um, who, whose responsibility does that lie on? Is that a coach's job? that a, a, a parent's job to make sure that they're not just, you know, doing it just because they want their kid to, to blow up and be, you know, a star in the league? Or, um, who, yeah. who does that lie? Is that the doctor who's actually performing? Well, little league, it's got to be the administrators and the coaches. Yeah. If you rely on the parents, they'll chop their kid's head off to try and get a college scholarship. Yeah. There's no – you can't rely on them. They're, they lost their marbles for the most part. Yeah. That was the one thing that that killed me as a coach. It's like these these guys are t- teaching their seven year old kids how to throw a curveball. I'm like, hey guys, <laughs> like don't do it. You're like he'll never play again. Like after high school, he's gonna be hurt. He's not gonna play. Like you gotta not, be live on a pitcher. He won't be able to fastball, changeup, you know, knuckleball for high that. schools. You got uh, your school board. You got professional associations of uh, doctors and nurses who work with the uh, high schools. They should all make clear what the policies are. You can't rely on the athletes. Almost every athlete I ever have encountered when I was playing or when I served on committees with different, you know, pros uh, from different sports, I'll just tell you they do anything to compete. 100%. Any, take any drug, take any surgery. They're not the place to draw the line. It's, they're not going to do it. And at that point, you don't, like, I, I look at it now, and at that point, yeah, I was like, hey, I'd, I'll do anything. Because I was, you know, I would, I'd love to play pro. That's what I was. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I thought I was going to do. Uh, but you know, you got to got to kind of put things in in perspective after a while. And now I look back, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things that definitely hurt. So Mike, let's really put it in perspective. If you're an elite high school athlete in basketball or baseball or football for that or hockey, the odds of you making it to the pros are still about one in ten thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you just you know. There's plenty of people at bars talking about coulda, might have, shoulda, shoulda. <laughs> but really, could they? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I came to terms with that myself. I told you. I saw what top flight lacrosse guys look like, and I was pretty good, but there was a gap. And, you know, the same would have been true for me for football. I was too small uh, to really do it. I could do it in high school, maybe college, but just, you know. In a Division One college, what's the average size of linemen there now? Six five, two eighty. I mean, too big. F two fifty. You're taking risks. You're doing crazy things for odds that are. I mean, I'd rather say, you know, here's the odds you ought to take. 
sit down and learn math because that's more likely you're going to put it to use than you are taking drugs to try and make it yeah. to a pro sport. And unfortunately, at that age, there's nothing you could say because everybody wants Correct. to become a pro. They don't really Correct. figure, you know, what it takes to get to that level. And even if you do, there's going to be one in, like you said, you know, one in 100, you know, 10,000, one in 100,000, even, you know, yeah. worse odds than that even. So I was looking just to bring it home. Somebody was telling me NBA, the league, I mean, I think there are like all together like 500 jobs for pro guys. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, whatever it is, 30 teams times 20 guys or something. And imagine then, how many college teams, how many semi-pro teams, how many – it's ridiculous. Yeah. Same thing with baseball. There's, you know, minor leagues, double A, single A, triple A, and this, rookie yeah, ball. For the, NBA, for the NBA, you're playing against the world now, right? they got plenty of yeah. – European coming in from yeah. all over the world. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, they, and they're, they're coming in all the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, th- th- you see people – from Eastern Europe, Africa, China, all kinds of people trying to get into pro basketball. And is that worth taking a risk in high school to take a drug or do some surgery? I would. And by the way, one other gripe that I learned in my advising, sorry, I'm taking your questions away. But <laughs> all too often in the pros, the team physician, people are supposed to look out for the athletes. You know, they're hired by the teams. Right. So they report to management. And have the athletes don't them. understand that they're not there for the, being their doctor. I've told every pro athlete who asked me, including some baseball guys, Mike, that you would know, some guys playing now even in the World Series, get your own doctor. Yeah. Do not rely on the team doctor. The team doctor's job is get you out there. Remind you of Varsity Blues a little bit, yeah. you know? That's Tyrod. Yeah. That's Tyrod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he was. He had that. Yeah, he went for old timers with Bill Walton in his ankle. He okay. never never really got it fixed. And the team doctor kept saying, yeah, go out there. You're good. You're good. A team so doctor gets a bonus good. just like everybody else We're when they win. You yeah. know? <laughs> so the ethical term is we have a big conflict of interest. No. I'm not saying the team shouldn't have doctors. But if you think that doctor is looking out for just you, Get it. At least get a second opinion. <coughs> yeah, second opinion is always Excuse always me. worth it. I feel like no matter what you do, you got to get a second yes. opinion. And I, Absolutely. I know you brought this up earlier. Um, I wanted to kind of jump back on it. I want to kind of talk about the Kyrie situation and how you feel about um, him. I, I know you're not a big fan of him sitting out because you're know, definitely pro-vaccine. Pro vaccine. Um, talk about a little bit of why, um, you know, what, he, what you think he's doing wrong and it might have been uh, LeBron James who said this. When you vaccinate, you're not vaccinating for yourself. You're vaccinating for others. Mm-hmm. So what I think Kyrie is doing is selfish. He's in a sport where he's going to expose trainers who are older and more at risk, coaches, many of whom are pretty far along in age. Um, he's going to uh, be exposing people, give him his towels and fans and so on. So I think he has to vaccinate to protect people who are especially weak. Look, Colin Powell, he died of COVID, right? But the reason he died is that he had cancer. And the medicines he was taking meant he couldn't be vaccinated, even though they vaccinated him, it didn't work. No, it's susceptible, yeah. You want to protect him? Then you got to vaccinate so you don't give it to him. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Kyrie is doing wrong. 
The other thing I think he's doing wrong is, I know Charles Barkley said 18 times, I'm not your role model, but he is a role model. Yes, absolutely. You're listening to him. And you want to set a good example. Kids are going to start being eligible for vaccination. At five, five to 11, right? Talking. I want them to get vaccinated, but if their hero says no, uh, that's really bad. You don't want to do. That. And he's still getting so, paid. Does he have any um yeah. any other reason not not to get vaccinated? Um, I mean, did he say anything else? Because I I don't I didn't see too much. I just know that he wasn't wasn't in favor of it. He's never really said like I think they're unsafe. He's never really said I don't think I need it because I'm taking some super you know, health food or something. No, I've never heard him really explain. Yeah, neither have I. I think one of his, his one of his biggest reasons was that the NBA had promised or told him that they wouldn't have to be mandated vaccines for players when they went in. And then they changed the rule. But I think it was actually New York who changed their policy on the vaccine. I think they were the first ones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I believe that's what it was. And it wasn't really the NBA. That the, the NBA had a plan. I think you're right. I don't think they've ever gone to a mandate in the NBA, but yeah. the city of New York and the state did. He plays for the Nets. That means he right. can't. He yeah. has the games. I think the same policies in San Francisco. A couple other cities have it too. So you know, even on the road, he's in trouble. Yeah. So if you, so even if you were to not get vaccinated and travel to another state or another state that, that had to have it. that mandate, or then he still wouldn't be able to play. Interesting. Yeah. I know San Francisco's done it, so he couldn't play there. Uh, I'm not sure which other cities have done it, but here's what I think is an especially stupid argument. I don't like mandates, so I'm not going to vaccinate. Hey, you don't like mandates, get vaccinated and go protest, man- protest yeah. mandates. <laughs> you don't, yeah. That's not a reason not to get vaccinated. Yeah. It's like, you know, I can march around in the street and say it's wrong to force people to do stuff. Okay. And I feel like I feel like that's happening quite a bit. I feel like that's happening yeah. quite a bit. You know, people are saying, "Hey, look, you have to do this," and they're like, "Hell no, I don't got to do that." Like, if you're going to tell me to do that, like, and I'm sure yeah. a lot of people that would have gotten vaccinated before they started, man, I feel like a lot of those people would have been like, "Hey, look, I'm I'm okay to do it. I mean, I I don't mind helping other people, but now that you're telling me to do it and it's you're putting all this pressure on me, yeah. I feel like a lot of those guys are like, "Hell no, I'm not doing that." So um, Massachusetts State Police, New York City Sanitation and Prison Guards, Chicago cops, there's plenty of groups out there that are saying, well, you just said, Mike, I'm not going to do it if you're making me do it. But they often say, but I'm not anti-vaccine. Right. So what the heck kind of argument is that? If you're yeah. not anti-vaccine, get vaccinated and then go protest that you don't like them <laughs> making you do it. It's like, it makes no sense to me. Plus, let me add, if you're a policeman, fireman, ambulance, nursing home aid, you deal with people at risk like Colin Powell's in this world every day. You've got to protect them. It isn't you, it's them. Last time I looked at a police cruiser, you know, it was printed on the side, protect and serve. It didn't say, I drive around and do what I want, and nobody tells me what to do. That isn't how they operate. That's not the ethos of those professions. And I'm a fan of those professions. They take risks. They go in burning buildings. I get it. It's it's really heroic. But come on. A lot of it, I see. Media has a big uh, play in it as well. I mean, there's ninety what eight percent of the league is vaccinated. Ninety five, ninety eight percent of the league is vaccinated, and we are kind of focusing on one one man in the league. But yeah. he is that guy. You know, he is he is yeah. one of the faces of the leagues, and I get that. But we are kind of pinpointing my, hosp- my hospital, NYU. 
were 99% vaccinated. There are 10 people who demonstrated last week against or forcing you to vaccinate or you get fired. 10. That's out of a workforce of 39,000. You know who was on TV? Not 39,000 people were vaccinated. The 10 people who didn't do it, they got all the media coverage. That does bug me. What do you think about natural immunity? Um, I know because that's that's been a big thing. I mean, do you think, I mean, a lot of people are saying, hey, it might not be safe to take the vaccine after having natural immunity. And is natural immunity, I mean, they're coming out with some studies. I I haven't read too many of them, but they're saying it's, you know, it's fairly strong, um, uh, you know, in regards to helping you keep you from getting it again, things like that. Giving you resistance to the virus. So here's the first statistic that's interesting about getting infected naturally. There were more cops last year who died of COVID than getting shot. So there's a price when you do natural immunity. A thing could kill you before, before you get immune, you're dead. Not so good. Um, secondly, natural immunity is fine and certainly can give you some protection, but it wears out faster. The vaccines are designed to last longer. So even if you got infected, you probably only get three to four months protection from that, hmm. and then it fades out, whereas you try to make the vaccine stronger, so you get a year or a year and a half, that's what the big difference is. Third thing, not everybody gets exposed to the same amount of the virus. So let's say you're sitting next to somebody, we're talking at a game, and they're infected, and a little bit of their air blows on you when you took off a mask or something. So you got an infection, but you got a mild case, you're not going to get very much protection. You get a full-blown, you know, somebody's living in the house with you, they're infected, you get it every day, you survive, you're going to have pretty good natural protection. That makes sense. But it's all over the place. You don't know which one you got. Where's the vaccine? You know, I'm getting a a good dose here. By the way, I'll say it again. These vaccines are the safest ones I ever saw. I I just don't see any side effects with these things. So uh, So you but. They really are very, very, very safe. Uh, I'm listening to people tell me they don't want to take a vaccine because it might not be safe. And they're taking all kinds of medicines that I know have bigger side effects than these vaccines. You see them on the commercials all the time. Side effects may include like 10 other things that are probably worse than we should have in the first place. They're taking a statin for, you know, blood pressure. They're taking something to control their cholesterol. They're taking something for diabetes. They're taking something for asthma. And it's like. And they mix it all together. (laughs) <laughs> are you yeah. kidding me you add up those risks you don't even get like on the board with a vaccine <laughs> risk it's not even one of the apples and oranges one of the things that i was interested in i mean I, it was something early on that i was that i saw it was um uh spreading covid and, and having like kids spread them i mean I, I heard the virus comes like from deep down inside so like you know you have to have to you know a good cough or something like that to actually you know spread the virus um, I heard kids are less likely to spread the virus because they really can't, they don't have the capacity to push out as much. Uh, do you have any, I mean, any insight on that? Um, well, it's partly true. Uh, the virus likes to go way deep in your lungs, likes to live there, wrecks your lungs. That's why you die. Mm. That's why we hear about ventilators being given people tracheostomies. You're basically trying to fix broken lungs. Kids have smaller lungs, they don't get as much virus into them. Um, and even when they get infected, they don't seem to get as sick. They probably have better immune systems than mm-hmm. older people do or very old people. So they fight it off more quickly. All that said, we probably had 
last year, six or 700 kids die and probably had another couple of thousand in the hospital. And then, I mean, nationwide, and then probably had uh, some long COVID, you know, kids got it. They're going to get symptoms throughout their lifetime, but we don't know yet how bad it is because we've only been looking at the virus a year. Right. So we can't tell you what's going to happen 10 years out to the little kids who got it. All that said, then I would vaccinate them. No. It's like, why not? And I feel like some people, unfortunately, you know, they, they have the same feeling about the vaccination where it's like, hey, look, it's only been a year out. It just got FDA approved. Uh, so, I mean, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, skepticism about it. Um, and, and I feel like it's like the same on both sides. It's just like, yeah, people are skeptical about it. People are skeptical about the other side. And it's just it makes things. There's really something funny about the new kind of vaccines there, Pfizer and the Moderna. They give you a little, they keep the cells to make a little chemical, a protein. And when that's made, then when the virus comes, it goes to where that little chemical is and gets killed. That's sort of how the thing works. But it only stays in your body right now about two years. There aren't any long-term effects. The body kicks it out after like two years. That's why we're talking about boosters. Yeah. Because it gets eliminated. So I, I have no worries about long-term effects from these things because what we're trying to do is keep it in there long enough to give you a long-term effect. Right. We don't want to have to use boosters. So there, again, that's why I'm so convinced that these things are safe. They're uh, The thing that works to kill the virus is very delicate and it falls apart after a year or two, at least the way we make it now, hopefully we can make it so it lasted five years and we wouldn't all have to go running around getting a third and a fourth shot. Yeah. Um, another question. So By I, the way, I, got my, I did get my third shot just last week. There you go. How are you yeah, feeling? I preach. There we go. <laughs> Um, I, would, I was going to say, um, for, for vaccines um, in kids, I know I know you're a proponent for that. Um, how do you feel? I mean, I know there's been some issues of enlarged hearts, things like that. Uh, what are your concerns? Do you have any concerns about that? Uh, concerns about, sorry. So I, I heard there's like, um, you know, with, with, with kids, I think it's with guys between 14 five, five and 11, I believe, is the new... Well, the youngest group all the way up to like 15, they were having some kind of issues with like enlarged hearts, things like that, yeah. something happening. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on. Can you, do you have any like insight on that? Anything you can tell us about it? Yeah. There have been seven or eight cases reported of what's called heart inflammation. And that's never good. Although it goes away, I mean, it's not like it's fatal as far as we know. But for the seven or eight cases in the kids who got the vaccine, there are probably 10 times as many who got the same thing from COVID. So you're still a better bet to use the shot. Both of them seem to be able to cause either, uh, you know, the vaccine, whatever's going on there, or natural infection, but you get better protection if you get the vaccine. I didn't say there were zero side effects. It's just, what do you got, seven cases out of, I don't know, five million people who got the thing? I mean, that's unbelievable. You can't even, you're more at risk of driving to the doctor to get the shot of dying than you are from the vaccine. And I know it's it's a big day for you and your wife today. It's a football Sunday, Halloween. We've got a lot going on today, so I don't want to hold up too much of your time. Um, yeah, the nightmare, it's Halloween, it's a nightmare, right? I, because I worked in Philly for a long time, for some crazy reason, I became an Eagles fan and I was going to say, I thought you'd be a Patriots fan. I, well, I should be, and I do like them. Uh, they're my second favorite team. Now that Brady's uh, gone uh, down the list a little bit? or 
Well, when I was in Philly, nobody was an Eagles fan except the 10 people who lived in Philly. So it was like <laughs> except when Donovan bad. McNabb was back there back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. All right, well, is there anything, one last thing, is there anything you're working on right now? I know you've got a couple of books that you've written, um, Ethics in Sports and Vaccination, um, Ethics yeah. and Policy. Um, is there anything else that you want to plug right now that you're... We're doing a big book. Not done yet. Going to finish it up Thanksgiving and Christmas on COVID. Excellent. Some of the stories you guys heard about sports and COVID will make it in there. And uh, I'm going to try and pay attention to one other interesting question. When, do you, when would you say COVID is over? When would you say it's done? I feel like COVID is just going to be like another flu, where it's like, hey, every other while you're going to get another shot. You're going to be, you're going to, it's going to have a flu shot. People are going to get it. People aren't going to get it. Um, oh, real quick, before I get you off of here, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I got this. I, for, I forgot one question. So I heard they're coming out with a um, uh, a medication, uh, a pill for COVID in the yeah. next few months uh, that's supposed to subside a lot of the symptoms, and that's that's freaking awesome. I mean, do you think that the um, that the vaccines are going to the, the amount of vaccines will change because they have a uh, to a pill form. Type. Yeah, 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 exactly. So instead so, of going, so yeah, that's, these, this is a really good point. I'm glad you remembered it. We don't have a vaccine for HIV, and right. yet we kind of beat HIV. Or people would say we've learned to live with it. Just the way I was asking about when would COVID be over, because we got a pill, or actually we got a bunch of pills that you take every day. Mm -hmm. First started out treating people with HIV, then die, seem to be pretty healthy. Then we learned if you gave it early to at-risk people, it seemed to prevent it. That's what I'm hoping for. Merck, Merck has this pill coming. We'll see it in the next six months. It'll start as a treatment, and if we're lucky, it'll work to prevent. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a sad thing, but you know why a lot of people are opposed to vaccines? They hate needles. They don't like shots. <laughs> Yeah. They don't like shots. I'm convinced if this thing came instead of a vaccine, if we had it like in a pill where you could inhale it in your oh, nose. Oh, that'd be easy. It'd be 100% vaccination. Yeah, All the kids are getting it too. <laughs> it's like yeah. a daily and, and, You know, it's a little bit different. Like when you're injecting something rather than taking a pill, you you feel a little different. Like, oh, it's just a pill. You know, I'll be, you know, it's perfect. Yeah. I don't have to worry about, you know, you see all the. Like, like we were talking about earlier, the side effects of the different pills. Nobody gives a crap about that. <laughs> you know, they're just, <laughs> it's a pill. It's not a shot. And the only people who don't think that way are doctors. It's like you're putting this pill in your stomach. It's directly yeah. exposed <laughs> every stupid organ. The other thing's going in your muscle. It takes like nine years to get around your body. You know, it's yeah. like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's got to dissolve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting, though. But no, I'm glad we got to talk about that just shortly there for a second. So Yeah, that is a long-term hope. And I think that will help bring it in in the way that you guys said. We'll come to live with it. I don't know if it's ever going away. Right. But we'll have few enough deaths that we'll sort of say, all right, take off your mask, maybe get an annual shot. If you don't want to do that, take this pill, mm -hmm. uh, you know, every month or something. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, but yeah, hey, this was this was a great conversation. I'm I'm extremely glad that we got to, to get on here and talk again. To you. Yeah, again, yeah, get it done right this uh, time. And I'm I, I hope we get another chance to talk to you because uh, I mean it's always interesting to hear more about this and and obviously you get the firsthand knowledge which is nice. And so, I feel like every time we talk to you, we, I find we find more things that we need to talk about. So <laughs> right, need to absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I got. Uh, more boring old war stories out of COVID than uh, any human being deserves to have. So we're I'm here sure. for them. Yeah, I'm, for I'm hoping to hear more of them a little bit later on. So hopefully uh, after this one, uh, we can get another one going with you sometime, maybe season two here. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks.
Thank you for having me. Thank Art, so thanks much, so much, buddy. It was great to have you on.